Hello, and welcome to Barks Remarks, the podcast where we talk about the stories from the legendary Carl Barks, creator of Scrooge McDuck and writer and artist of the greatest Donald and Scrooge comics of all time. This episode is a 10-page podcast all about one of his short stories. Get ready to enjoy our remarks. Welcome back to Barks Remarks, uh, and a happy Christmas to my guest hosts for this episode, and to all of you listeners. But I guess, you know, whatever holiday you celebrate, a happy holiday season to everyone. I am Mark Severino, a grown man who enjoys duck comics and talking about them with other grown men. And I'm very fortunate to be joined by a couple of other Barks fans. I've got Patrick Block and Warren Harmon with me this time. And uh, again, Merry Christmas. Patrick, are you are you into the holiday? Yes, very much so. I always look forward to the whole Thanksgiving, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's things, like one big thing for me, like leads up to Christmas and kind of New Year's kind of gives, carries on a little bit for longer. And, yeah. and you know, I'm, I'm recalling that you um, one of your one of my favorite stories that you wrote and and did the art for, or I can't remember if if Shelley, if your wife collaborated with this one. Um, it is a Christmas story, and it follows up Carl Bark's Christmas for Shacktown. Are you talking about the? Um, am, am I remembering right? Christmas? The one the one with Witch Hazel. Yeah, don't think for Christmas. That was Ron Fernandez wrote that. Oh, right? okay. I wrote a little bit of it, but most of it's Ron's work. And he was a right. friend of mine, a collector friend of mine, who lives in West Virginia. Nice. And he did a wonderful job on that story. It's like really nicely done. It has a lot of heart, you know, which we talked a long time about Barks' Christmas stories when we constructed that story. Tried to base it on his, you know, trying to follow up something that really felt like akin to Barks' work. Yeah, that one's a lot of fun. I, I really like that one. It's got it's got a couple of nice Barks like references with Witch Hazel. Ron, and thought, Ron thought that Witch Hazel was much underused by Disney. He would like to have seen a lot more. So we did two stories with Witch Hazel. Nice. Ron. Yeah, I haven't seen the other. I'll have to look that up. That one's up. a Halloween story. Excellent. The poorest duck in Duckburg. Nice. So as I said, you know, you you are also a comic book artist and writer in your own right. Do you um do you like doing the holiday ones? Yeah, they're lots of fun. I always enjoyed them the most. I think reading like those giant sized issues per quarter, those were wonderful books. <laughs> oh, Christmas parade. I love oh, love yeah. me some Christmas good Christmas parades. parade. Yeah, I look and, forward to those. And Warren, uh happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Are you well, into the holidays? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, thanks, Mark, and uh, Merry Christmas to both you and Patrick, and uh, happy holidays to everyone. Yeah, it's great, um, especially when you have two little granddaughters. Uh, it makes it even more special. And I know you've got your your children there too, Mark, and and it's just it's just very it it's it's great. Uh, but I will say what I love about this story we're going to talk about is I feel like Donald did in the first eleven panels of this story. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it is. Uh, and it feels like that. So it was great to uh, visit this and, and review this story today. Yeah, absolutely. And and the story in question, we're going to be talking about Turkey with all the schemings is the kind of awkward title that it was given <laughs> after the fact. You guys, from the title, I, I kind of even forgot that this one was a Christmas story. You know, it, it sounds almost more of a Thanksgiving story, but it but it is a Christmas story. And uh, I I landed on covering this one for Christmas this year because it might be the best Carl Barks 
Christmas story that I haven't already covered. <laughs> the the Duckman had a lot of great Christmas stories. Um, we've already gotten to talk about like I've covered Letter to Santa, I've covered Christmas on Bear Mountain, Christmas for Shacktown. Yeah. Warren, you were you were a part of that one. Yeah. Um, tons of great, a lot, a lot of nice Christmas 10 pagers as well. But you know, this is probably the strongest one <laughs> that is left. And it's fun. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's like one of his all-time best, but there's a lot of a lot of really fun elements and a lot to like about this one. It's got some wonderful Scrooge moments. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. So let's see a little bit of background on this story. This is a Walt Disney's comics and stories featured ten pager. It, it was in well, uh, in issue number 148, released in January of 1953. Or that was the cover date, at least. And I read this one in Gladstone's publication, Gladstone 2's publication of Uncle Scrooge 284. And I think notably, this is like the last issue before they started doing Don Rose's um Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, like epic mini, you know, series or whatever you'd call that. Sure. But um, let's see. Was this 1953, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, 53. Yeah, yeah. It's just great. Uh, Again, a classic early 50s story and and, uh, everything in it kind of reflects that time. Yeah, and I think it's a pretty strong time in in Bark's kind of like swing, right? His, Mm -hmm. His art is really at the top. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, you got omelet story and uh, the flipism omelet, story. Yeah. Flipism story right after and omelet before. So it's a super good period. Yeah, this one is is kind of bunched in with a bunch of other really great stories. And so, you guys, why don't we go ahead and, and launch into it? This is the 10-page podcast. It's a little bit less researched, a little more loosey-goosey. I really like the, I think the opening is probably the strongest part of this one for me, to be honest, mm-hmm. because what it is showing is Donald Duck, you mentioned this, Warren, this is how you feel sometimes at Christmas. And I think this is how a lot of grownups feel about Christmas, because Christmas is for kids and adults have to run around and be frantic and um, be paying for everything and getting everything ready. Uh, and we get this really imaginative page of Donald Duck being really busy um, on Christmas Day. <laughs> Donald seems a lot older here and more disciplined and organized than he usually does. Yeah, it's a very like suburban parental Donald at the beginning, huh? And he's also more on top of it than he usually he is. is. He really is organized here in these panels. I mean, it's organized confusion because he's really tackling so many. He's multitasking like I've never seen him do without getting angry. Yep. Right. So so here, rapid fire, he answers the door to find the, the mailman with the kids' presents. He puts them under the tree. He... um. <laughs> He wakes the kids for their Christmas dinner with the junior woodchucks. He sends a donation to the messenger boy for a charity club. Um, and he asks the kids to stop off and pay for the Christmas tree. And that like that rapid fire recitation of of all these panels does not do justice to the like manic energy and amazing posing that is in yeah, each great. of them. It's beautifully composed. And it's got two funny gags that are like the sight gags. The messenger boy is like 70, 60 years old. 
and the guy who's delivering the packages is like got like a hundred packages that are all just stacked up. You can't even see the guy. It's like so many packages, just cute little gags thrown in. Mm-hmm. I, I like those too, Patrick. I also, I also really love the fact that he's uh, testing his strength here by tipping the bed over <laughs> and, and, and the nephews are, are spilling out because yes. they're, they're loafers. I mean, he just, he just doesn't have time. So he's got yeah, to get, get with it boys. Let's yeah. move. It, there's so much great energy on yeah. this and it's, it's this controlled chaos and, and Donald's doing, a great job here you know it's yes. it's cartoonish um and it continues onto the next page where you know he takes a call for daisy and he rapid fire thanks her for her present confirms right. that she got his he he wishes I, I love this. He's asking the operator to connect him to another call in the midst of wishing the kids well. It's really rapid fire. It's great. And he's <laughs> airborne in that second panel. He's airborne, still talking as if nothing is happening. And he's almost upside down while we see the boys for the last time here. Yeah. This this panel, Patrick, what do you think of that third panel on page yeah, two where he's talking? That's my, that's my favorite panel in the story, I think. It's so cute. Yeah, I love that panel. It's like, uh, I think it is my favorite panel from the story where he's upside down and all wrapped up in the wire, the telephone wire. It's just beautiful, beautifully drawn and really funny. It is. It's very funny. Um, and then he takes another call at the door from, uh, from the printer with the bill for his Christmas cards. And so a lot of these little exchanges, a lot of these chores involve him. We see him spending money, you know. But also being really responsible. It's it's a neat version of Donald. Uh, and and finally, he has a moment to kind of collapse into his easy chair. Barks did a really good job. I, I shouldn't gloss over the fact that Barks did a great job of chewing the nephews out of the story for right. this one by explaining yeah. their woodchucks dinner, right? Because Barks is not interested in having the kids around for this one. Right. And, well, it's and evident he, from the beginning that this was the plot. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that Donald's problems, like Donald's in command until he's flat broke. Right. The panel where I finished on Christmas Day, flat busted, broke without a dime. And that's always like a, one of his big issues. You know, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. They're like in control of events as long as they have money. Once they're out of money, then you're, you know, Donald's, Donald's Donald. It's like we're all right. Donald's. As usual. <laughs> yeah. I love the as usual because it happens every year. Every year. Yeah. What what is more relatable than trying to make your your wallet stretch through Christmas? Um, He thinks he's got it covered, but maybe he's missing something. Exactly. He's ultra proud of this list, this long list that that he has mastered and he's checked off every item. Right. And and we've seen him do a genuinely good job of it. So Mm -hmm. on the next page, when we see him get ready to cook his Christmas turkey and not find it we we feel a little bit bad for him right because he's been doing such a great job and he's actually been like thoughtful with we this is not one of those oh i forgot to get daisy a gift we see him confirming that she got his gift same thing with grandma duck but he doesn't see his turkey and it's very funny to me that he has to like check the list to make sure that somehow (laughs) something didn't go awry and he confirms ye cats i forgot to buy a turkey i didn't even make a memo and what is he what is the only thing he's got in the house warren he's got a can of beans 
sitting there on the shelf and I love the little dotted eye target there and, and just fretting like crazy. It, it, what's surprising is he doesn't have any other side dishes. I mean, it's just a can of beans and a turkey because that refrigerator is empty. <laughs> right. He wasn't going to prepare it with some carrots and onions, I guess. I guess not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or I have guess. some mashed potatoes. It's fine. Yeah, you know? we get that. Um, we- but it's, I love the can of beans is always a great fallback. Again, talk about yeah. the eggs. I it's mean, a classic, it's right? It's a classic. Being, yep. Yep. It's the, the can of beans a, on Gilligan's Island. You, how you open it, you know, that sort of this thing. This is a tragedy worse than the burning of Rome. <laughs> the burning of Rome. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and again, all of Donald's like manic moving around. And, and now he's like plopped on the floor. It's very mm. funny. Yeah. And he has a choice here, you guys, right? Yeah. He, he tells himself, am I going to eat those beans for dinner like a starving martyr? Or will I just starve? And he resolves, no. And, and I mean, technically, he could just, he could be fine with the beans and there wouldn't be a story here, right? <laughs> like beans, the funny thing about beans is they, they'll keep you, they'll keep you going. <laughs> That's right. I like the writing on these two panels, these last two panels. It's like typically only Barks would write those, those lines. No one else in the world. Oh, yeah. The yeah, tragedy very... was the burning of Rome and the, will I eat the, the beans like a martyr or will I starve? It's like, where does he come up with this? At? It's I, know, I, I know. It, he, he digs into the classic literature and pulls out these yeah. wonderful words that a 12-year-old boy isn't going to really understand. Yeah, it's great florid um, dialogue. It's so super nice. So, you know, we see him resolve that he is going to get a turkey dinner and he very quickly snaps his fingers and comes up with a bright idea which is that he's going to trick his uncle scrooge into buying his dinner so th- this seems like a pretty high uh, some high hopes right gentlemen yes very imaginative very imaginative and maybe a little bit too far-fetched but he did yeah. anyway he'll be the very first person to trick scrooge mcduck into buying him some dinner that's for sure <laughs> But but the way he's going to do it, Patrick, do you want to tell us how he's going to go about it? Well, he digs out a costume from the Creaky Barn Actors Guild, which apparently he was a part of at some point. Yeah. He's, he's dressed himself up like he's a big businessman there to make a deal. He's going to go with his outfit on and a bag of apparent coins to talk to Scrooge. Right. Scrooge is beautifully drawn in this story. I think that this is like the perfectly drawn Scrooge about this mm-hmm. point in time. He looks so wonderful in every panel in the story. I've used this story, in fact, as models, like when I was starting out looking at pictures of Scrooge. This is one of the stories that I looked at a lot because I really love how Scrooge looks here. What a great thing to point out. Yeah, I, I think you're right. This is like the platonic ideal of Scrooge. He's he's definitely past that like early Scrooge stage, but he's... Yeah, he's a little um, shorter now and more compact, you know, than he was when he was first created. And he's got more of a... Just has a... You know, there was a point Mickey, Mickey Mouse looked really great in like 1938. He was like, they should have just left him alone. And here, Scrooge just looks perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So Scrooge is in the middle of doing what Scrooge always does, counting his money. And he's he's at 90 billion trillion octillion when he is interrupted by, as he says, some dimwit coming to the door, interrupting him, counting his thousand dollar bills. And and he talks through a very animated intercom 
to a clearly disguised Donald who introduces himself as Senor Senor Petrolio de Vaselino. Um, And Donald is going to adopt a very accented, uh, very accented English saying that he is the big oil tycoon from South America. Yes. The sign sign on the door suggests that Scrooge is celebrating Christmas. It says, Merry Christmas, beat it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it says one one sop to Christmas is a seasonal scram sign. Um, you guys, uh, you know, you you probably both know I'm not a big fan of the like goofy accents. This one is not like it's not that much of a thing, I guess. Right. It's um, it's I I think the joke is almost more on Donald because he just looks ridiculous doing it. Right. Oh, he's desperate. Right. Uh, and and he's putting on his ruse here, saying that he's come to make big deal. And and I like you mentioned. Do you want to tell us about the washers, Patrick? Yes. You know, Donald just doesn't have any money at all, so so he uses what he has to work with, which are probably washers out of his garage, to clink into a bag to make uh, Scrooge think over the intercom that it's money. Yeah. He's like pretty clever. He probably knows that Scrooge has that intercom. It's not going to let him in to begin with, so it has to work out pretty well. Right. Um, and, and it ends up being pretty good bait for Scrooge, who does let him in. Guys, do either of you have... Uh, a, a bag's worth of washers in your garage. I have no big bag like that. No, we have a few. <laughs> They'll be pretty, pretty poor. The closest yeah. I have is a bag full of pennies I collect all year. Then I take them to the bank and nice. cash it in for uh, I don't know Christmas dinner or something or dessert. You know whatever. Right. So it's a little cartoon convenience, but um, yep. the I think the panels of Scrooge greedily thinking about getting a hold of that bag of money for himself, ushering <laughs> Senor. Vaselino in. I think they're very funny. I love it, especially when they walk in waist deep into the coins. I don't think we've seen that a lot where the action is taking place, literally wading through the the, the mountain of, of coins. I love yeah, I that. I can't recall that either. I, I right. love those, those last four if, panels. Yeah. 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 Usually if he's walking in coins, it's on the surface of them, not in them like that. Yeah, he's right inside, yeah. Uh-huh. Right, and it's usually just, just Scrooge himself. Um, so a, a nice touch on the next page is that Donald uh, says that he'd better leave this money here where it will be safe. And and Scrooge is just leering at it with the greediest expression ever, saying, sure, Petrolio, it belongs here. Uh, and And so Donald gets what he wanted. Scrooge is taking him. Well, he and Scrooge are going to dinner and Scrooge suggests the Ritz, which is mm-hmm. just the generic classy restaurant that every every city seems to have. And well, as Donald, I, I mean, I love them walking to the Ritz. That's where Donald had already dreamed of going. So he got his wish. And, uh, and I know they're sitting in this lavish restaurant, full, which which I just think is the greatest little gag. Um, the, an entire turkey for two people, you know, right. and essentially one person, um, because Scrooge is absolutely not hungry. He is absolutely hungry for money and and can't get those uh, that bag of, of what he thinks are coins out of his hand, out of his head while Donald is doing everything to eat and and not talk about the business, the business deal that he has going. So far, it's working out. So far, right. so good for, for Donald. Yeah, the, the dynamic here is going to be Scrooge trying, constantly trying to get back to the discussion of business, and Donald's trying to delay it. And, and Scrooge gets more and more annoyed as Donald chows down. And mm-hmm. finally, during dessert, do you want to tell us, Patrick, about the dessert incident? 
Donald is eating some pie, and he says, pardon me, this pie tastes funny. You mean phony, don't you? Petrolio, that's your mustache you're chewing. He's lost his mustache. So we think he's, immediately think he's doomed. That he's going to be recognized as Donald. Right, but it, but it turns out to be a little bit of misdirection. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, it's probably one of the more clever things in the story. Instead of being revealed, it turns out Donald, with just his wig, looks uh, tremendously like the world's second richest duck who is in town, the Duke of Bologna. <laughs> And Scrooge happened to save a picture of the Duke from the newspaper this morning. He shows him the Duke of Bologna here. And he does look just like Donald. And and Donald is, glory be, that mug looks just like me. I'm saved. (laughs) So it's a very, like, unlikely high concept. Um, What are the chances? But but it it is very funny. And uh, let's see, 1953. I'm trying to remember. Is the actual story, we, we just covered it. In the podcast, the actual second richest duck is in 1956. Blumgold. Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. came out in 56, right? The first time we see him with a ball of yarn, that story. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great story. So it's it's interesting, right? We because we've got we we have the story, the second richest duck. And and you gotta wonder if like one of these stories kind of led into the other, but it's just something he seems to have been kicking around at this time. Yeah, because we just covered the podcast just a couple weeks ago. Covered the actual story, the second richest. We had the Maharaja guy, the the ten pager with the Maharaja with the Cornelius Coot statues, and wasn't he also like vying to be the richest at that time? I don't think he ever actually. Yeah, I don't think they they ever measure them. Yeah, right. Competing the statues, making bigger ones, so the Maharaja thought he was just as rich as the Scrooge. That was in fifty-one. Yeah, yeah, and that that's an all-time favorite of mine. That that's That's actually. That's the first comic book that I ever read. Yeah, it was a great first story. Yeah, it it definitely it definitely hooked me. Um, So after that little bit of misdirection, they're kind of talking up how big their deals are. (laughs) They're they're talking up how big their deals are going to run. And and you guys, I have to just kind of read this sequence because it's very funny as written. He he says, Donald says, let's discuss that deal because he still has to stall until Scrooge pays the bill. And Scrooge says, I'm sure it will run into trillions of dollars, Duke. Um, And Donald tosses off quadrillions of dollars my dear mcduck perhaps even septillions of dollars and then the waiter sheepishly comes up and says you gentlemen make me almost ashamed to present this puny bill for nine dollars and 73 cents and and both of them look in horror at the bill but but for different reasons that's yes. right. Yeah, and this because, is the point we know Donald's in trouble. He was, he was right. doing fine until this point. You know? Right. Because um, Scrooge, Scrooge isn't going to be willing to cover the bill, especially given that he thinks he's with another rich man. That's right. I, that 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 one had me going for a little while. Well, I love the, the first panel on the next page are both just now they've resolved to just look out the window and just ignore the, <laughs> the, the, the waiter. But so, yes, Donald doesn't have a dime and Scrooge isn't going to spend a dime. And and now the fun begins. Right. And Donald's trapped in a competition of who's the cheapest, you know, and he's not going to win against Scrooge. It's like, uh, even with no money, Scrooge right. will still beat him. <laughs> exactly. I love and it. And you got to give props to this very determined waiter as well, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Th- this this next sequence, you guys, is very funny. Um, 
it's it's a riot as they both just kind of as you say they compete to ignore the waiter and and hold out as long as they can um donald tries whatever he can he he says he remembers he needs to phone his banker and scrooge goes with him and the and the waiter waits right outside the phone booth as well um it's worth noting a a bill of a restaurant bill of like nine dollars and 73 cents in the early 50s it's probably a little more than a hundred dollars today okay usually usually times 10 before before inflation stuck about times 10 was a good um rough guesstimate for a lot of them candy bars were a nickel yeah Yeah. how much is a candy bar today yeah yeah not not every Everything appreciates at the same rate, obviously, but um, but it's very funny. They stretch it out and stretch it out. Uh, Warren, you want to tell us about later, much later? <laughs> so they're they're both now back at the table after trying every or Donald trying everything, uh, and they both think, groan, and sigh. Nine dollars and seventy three cents, and then closing time. I love the shot of the waiter again. He's he is absolutely. Not given up the bill, gentlemen. He's beautifully drawn and inked. Uh huh. He's beautifully drawn. He, it, it, he reminds me of, of some of the waiter actors, character actors of the 50s. Yeah. And I can't remember who he looks like, but there's this, there's this recognition in him. But he's tough, but he's also very elegant. And so I, I really like what the way he's drawn. But he, he will not let that them out of their no. place. No. Go away. Can't you see we're talking business? That's a great line. That's a, yeah. that's a great Scrooge line. <laughs> It's funny to see that waiter getting more severe and stern as the night goes on. It is. It is. Uh, Patrick, do you want to tell us about after closing time? (laughs) Yeah. So Donald thinks that Scrooge is asleep. Now's his chance to sneak away. But when he tries, suffering sawfish, that old fox tied my leg to the chair and he falls with a crash to the ground. Got beautiful silhouette panels, those two panels. And then the story wraps up pretty quickly at this point. Uh, we're, We're at page 10 um and this kind of farce has to end the only way that it can end with the the real case of mistaken identity walking in the door the the waiter kind of triumphantly points out gentlemen the duke of baloney and uh Donald tries to play it off as him being right, him being an imposter, but Scrooge has realized who is is really the imposter. <laughs> I, I I'm I am cracking up at this closing gag here. Um, yeah. I love what Scrooge does so much. Patrick, do you want to tell us about the, about Scrooge? So, so <laughs> Scrooge isn't willing to spend nine dollar and change nine dollars and change for dinner, but he's immediately willing to pull out a million bucks and buy the restaurant just so we can lord it over Donald and control things slams a million dollars down so the whole time he's had all this money in his pocket which shows how impossible it is to uh, try to outfox scrooge when it comes to money absolutely first thing i thought of too patrick oh my gosh that was great great gag it is and and this way scrooge can force him to you know wash the dishes for that debt and i and i guess you know in scrooge mcduck's mind too like he's not gonna lose money because now the restaurant is an asset technically yeah it's gonna make him um, but but that's that's more thinking than you need to do for this gag because it's just it's it's 
funny how spiteful he is about it. And then um, Warren, how does it wrap up? Well, you can see um, he's in the kitchen watching dishes again, which is great. And uh, he asked the uh, chef, "The can I use the phone? Sure. He calls Huey and Dewey and Louie uh, back home. Have you eaten that can of beans in the cupboard? You don't want them? Well, save them for me because I'm sure going to enjoy them when I get out of here next Friday. <laughs> right. The look, the look on his face is, is great. It's he's brilliant. He's, he's had it. He's, he's exhausted. Yeah. Sprawled it's over a, the bag of onions or potatoes. Yeah, he's just on the floor. And it's a wonderful, again, a classic bring back the can of beans, which you introduced earlier, as sort of that final impact on this. It's all he's going to eat anyway. And he's now well after Christmas. Right. It, it is a fun gag, but it's not nearly as strong as the one that preceded it. You know, that's that to me is kind of the real oh, ending. Scrooge on the table. whipping out that wad of money and slapping it on the table. Totally agree. All he had to do is, I don't know how many bills he's got. They're probably $1,000 bills. Right. Or whatever, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, he was just counting them. And interestingly, we don't ever see like he Barks doesn't close the circle of of Scrooge discovering what was really in that bag. Not that it's like that suspenseful yeah. or anything, but you know, usually you'd want to see the character reaction, I think. I love how Scrooge lords over Donald with the uh, uh now the bill in the now will Signor Petrolio de Bolonio de yeah. Donald Ducco. I right. love <laughs> he, he completes the uh the name gag in uh, Donald's uh, right in his face there. Yeah. So I, I think this one is is really funny. I don't think it's like an all-time classic, but I do think it's a very strong Christmas yeah. story. Um, there's some great manic energy in this one. Yeah, it feels like a like a, a slapstick movie kind of kind of feel. Like you said, like a 50s kind of. Kind of yeah, great description. Almost like an, an early uh, Stooges short. I mean, it's really yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. very well, well paced and, and funny vi visual gags. Yeah. And it's fun to see Donald kind of starting out as hyper competent and then, yeah. and then things kind of just spiraling out of control for him yeah. uh, through his own fault. Right. Um, I, I really like this one. I I didn't remember this one all that well, and and I had a lot of fun revisiting this. Yeah, yeah. Really, Barks could do no wrong with this period in time, his story. Right. In so let me take a look at um, what the community thinks of this one. This is a pretty well regarded one. It's not like mm -hmm. an all timer or anything, but on on Index, the site where fans can rate the stories, it gets a rank of seven point four and uh, a three hundred and ninety two out of all like 42,000 some stories. Um, and if you just break out the Barks 10 pagers, uh, that puts it, it, it does creep right into the top 50 of, of his 10 pagers or in the top 20% of them, basically. Okay. So to me, that's that's yeah. a pretty good ranking. I don't think this is one that anyone's misidentified. It's a very strong story. Not an all-time mm -hmm. great, but but very funny, very entertaining, and, and very worth reading when, when you're stressing about your own Christmas. Yes. So Mark, this was 53. Did he write any more long-form stories after this about Christmas? Or were those in the before this? Yeah, there were yeah. We've got a we've got a few. I don't think okay. we have any of his that are like his all time classics. You know, right. there's the um, Black that, Pearls of Tabu there's Yama. That, there's that logging story where the uh, go after a Christmas tree. For the uh, oh yeah yeah Christmas in in Duckburg, I think is that one called. Okay. Yeah. Um, carousel at the end and lift it after the big old boy steal the metal out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a great it's, ten pager though. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a is fun it, one. Is it 10 or is it more? No, that that is a full-length one. That's a full-length yeah. one, but this was the one we just did was a great 10-pager. Right. I mean, he got a lot in there. And, right. and and I agree with Patrick, you know, your 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 description of Scrooge and the artwork there. Um and just the scenes in the money bin were were really memorable for me. Yeah, they're very beautiful. It's beautifully drawn. Right. Yeah. Any other um thoughts about this one, Patrick? Uh, just an all around enjoyable story. Just uh, you know, like Donald is different than you usually see him at the beginning of the story, and then he's sort of forced into his regular regular way of doing things just by, by financial reasons later in the story. You know, so it's kind of a, it's a little bit different because of that. I think it's not all entirely his fault. It's just that he doesn't have enough money to cover everything, <laughs> like a lot of this. Right. So I'm I'm curious before before we wrap up this episode, what would you guys say are your favorite um, Christmas bark stories? My favorite by far is You Can't Guess. <laughs> we did that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. It's 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 sort of like a ten pager in the personal nature of it. You know, it's like a home story, but it's got those you know that whole great thing with the uh, them. Trying Trying to guess what Donald wants and take him to the hypnotist and to all these oh, yeah, that, people. That was great. The mind reader. Yeah. Yeah. And all the cars at the end, too. I mean, uh, yeah, and all those car, cars parked outside the, grandma's house. Yeah. The cars in the building set. Yeah. yeah. I remember doing that one with Sarah. I think, uh, Mark, you and Sarah and I. But I, I think my my favorite, for a lot of other reasons, too, just maybe the humanity of it, too, was Christmas for Shacktown. I, That's everyone's, almost everyone's. You know, that, that, that to me just, that, that was Bark's. <sighs> editorializing a little bit on on the the the, uh, the state of the world and um sending a message and i thought he did it very well and the artwork in there so yeah those yeah. are my yeah, it's hard to go wrong with Shacktown. I I yep. do love You Can't Guess. And boy, I sure do love the first half of Letter to Santa. Um, I don't think it ends as strong, but is that the, but, is that the one with the steam steam uh, the steam shovel? Steam shovels, yeah. Yeah. It's beautifully drawn. It's like a period oh, yeah. it was drawn really well. Those yeah. Santa Clauses reindeer yeah yeah it's incredible um and then you know it's barely a christmas story but um of course the first one with gladstone gander is just uh one of the very the, the wintertime wager is the mm. title they've given oh, it yeah. the the one where they go swimming and and have to drink lemonade donald has to it's swim and gladstone has to drink lemonade it's a very funny story it yeah. is hysterical so excellent any any closing thoughts gentlemen not really it's just uh you know it's a great period for barks and tremendously drawn great yeah. character arc for donald too the generous thoughtful yeah. donald turns into the conniving donald uh all because he forgot to buy a turkey i mean it's yeah. just you know when he well yeah that was it <laughs> and you can't you can't beat scrooge when it comes to money this, right this is going to happen no one can not even yeah. um, even knowing his weaknesses you know you go, like donald goes into the thing knowing that you know, scrooge is a soft spot for money but you can only <laughs> hang on for so long he's out of his league right well um gentlemen i really appreciate you joining me and uh i hope that you all um have gotten your Christmas turkeys. And I really appreciate everyone listening over the course of this year to the podcast. Um, people can check us out on you know various socials. Bark's Remarks can be found on Facebook and um, Instagram. And uh, yeah, happy Christmas to, to both of you and to all of our readers. Happy all of the holidays. Thanks Thank very you. Much. We, Same to you, Mark. Congrats on a great year. Yeah, we have a lot of fun doing these. It's a really good time. Yeah. Oh, I'm really, I'm glad to hear it. I, I, I enjoy this so much. We're happy yeah. for you. Congrats on a great year. Yep. Thank you. Yeah.